Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. Check back weekly to stay up to date with what God is doing here in the life of our church. To learn more information, you can find us online at sturkey.church. Our prayer here at the church at Sturkey Hills is that you are moved by this message. Guys, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Well, if you didn't have an opportunity to worship your great God and King Jesus, then you just missed out because uh, he was waiting. All right. And maybe you didn't show up. You can try it again later this afternoon. You just find you a place and worship him because he's worthy of it. Amen. Now, we're, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, or your devices, John chapter 3. We're going to continue this journey through this amazing book called The Gospel According to John. And it paints a, an amazing picture of the reality of who Jesus is. And for every believer or a lost person, John is a great book to read. Read it over and over and over. Dissect it and digest it. And it will change your life. And it will change your walk with King Jesus in your life. And so today we're going to talk about uh, the idea of darkness and light. You see, in the narrative, Jesus is, has, has had an encounter with a religious guy. I mean, he is the guru. He's a Pharisee. He's a, a tither. He worship. He attends worship regularly. He's a leader in the in the Jewish community. Uh, he leads people to Yahweh, the true and living God. I mean, he's checked all of the religious boxes. But now he comes to Jesus, and Jesus addresses something. He's not impressed. He says, "You know, I, I know your credentials. I know your resume, but uh, you missed something that's very, very important. It's being born again." And he says, you must be born again. Now, last week, we unpacked that a little bit because being born again is that moment when we place all of who we are into all of who he is. In other words, we give all of our brokenness, all of our sinfulness, all of our fallenness, all of our mess, we give it to him, what I call the great exchange, and he gives us all of his rightness, his righteousness, his perf uh, perfection, and his sacrifice. He just gives that in return, and we walk away a new creature. That's what it looks like when somebody is truly a Christian. There has to be an encounter where there is an exchange. And short of that, there is no born-again experience. Short of that, you find yourself like Nicodemus checking religious boxes, playing religious games, and one day we die in that condition. If we die in that condition, we spend eternity separated from the God who our whole life was reaching out to us in love. Now, I think all of us would agree that we live in a dark world. Uh, if you turn on the television, you watch the political world, very dark if you watch, uh, if you uh, turn on the television and you read about some of the athletes, there's darkness surrounding some of the athletic world. If we uh, look into some of our families, we find darkness and brokenness. If we look at our schools and in our culture, we find darkness. If you go and do ministry somewhere around the world, you find that darkness often prevails in this world we live in. Now, darkness has been around before the earth was actually created because darkness is the natural state of all existence. It's the natural state of the created world and it's the natural state of your world and my world. Darkness is the default mode. Now, let me explain. When, when Lucifer was in heaven, he was an anointed angel, angelic being, and uh, very gifted and beautiful, the Bible says, and he was jealous of God. 
And so he convinced a third of the angels to follow him, and it was basically a heavenly coup to take over heaven, and God says, not going to happen, bye. And so he cast Lucifer and a third of the angels out of heaven. Now, some of those, uh, those angelic beings became demons, and they're under, uh, who was Lucifer is now Satan or the devil. So the devil's here on earth, and, and his demons are here on earth. Some of them are bound. And so when God created the earth, he created it. And if you'll remember, the Bible says that the, that the earth was uh, dark and void. And God said, let there be light. And so I believe that God the Father is present He's there at creations, uh, the corridor, the the doorway into creation. God the Father is there speaking. He says, let there be light. I believe that's Jesus lights it up. And then the Bible says the Ruach Elohim, the Holy Spirit of God, began to hover. So I believe the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all there. Now, it's lit up, it's perfect, it's in bliss, it's, it's beautiful in the Garden of Beginnings. But then one shows up. And he's described as Mr. Crafty the serpent, more crafty than all of the other uh, creations. And so he shows up and he introduces darkness back into the world. And so Adam and Eve fall. Now listen, because of Adam and Eve's sin, you and I are all descendants of Adam and Eve. All of us. And uh, with their curse, they pass that on in the DNA. You got it too. And so your curse is darkness. Your, your, your curse is that you are bent toward doing everything other than what God wants you to do. And some days we fight back at that, even in the flesh. But often we just give in to it. And so we live in a world of darkness. And we embrace the darkness more than we do the light. Now in Ephesians 6.12, I want you to understand the reality of the dark world. I want you to understand that all you see is not all there is. Okay, All you see is not all there is. There's another world out there, a spiritual realm, which you cannot see. And it it describes it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I, I told the early service, I'm cautious to share stories like this. People think you're nuts, you're on drugs or whatever. I don't really care. So back in 1980, about 1988, I was about 26 years old. And I was in a, a church, a great church, and, and I had given my heart to Jesus when I was 10 years old. And I was, I was on the journey, man. I was scratching and clawing and digging. I was in the Word. I was, I was involved in church, and I was trying to get it. And, and I was standing in the choir. Sing, we were singing in, singing in the choir, and it was a revival. And they had an invitation time. I didn't worry about invitation time because I know where I'm going when I die. Okay, it was all good. But in this moment, when I closed my eyes, it's like I saw something I didn't really want to see. And and the Lord gave me a a, a picture, an image of of spiritual warfare, of darkness and light in battle for the soul. And and I want to let you know this. You can play games with all you want. I'm telling you, there's an enemy out there that, that is waging war over your soul right now. And God has angels, uh, uh, the Bible says angels, we entertain angels unaware. There are angels and demons fighting over you right now, even in this place. I'm in the church, man, we're cool here. Now, right here in this place, okay? And so when I closed my eyes in the choir, I saw this battle between what I would describe as, as, as darkness and light. And it was, it was at war with these, it scared, scared me bad, I mean bad. So I opened my eyes, you know, that's what you do, I don't want to see that. So I'm looking around, everybody else got their eyes closed. I don't know what's going on, you know. 
Oh, you know, did I, did I eat some bad Mexican food? What's happening right here? You know? So close one eye, you know, see if it's still out there. Nothing. Close my other eye. Bam, there it is right in my face. It's like it's getting closer. So I prayed. I said, God, are you taking me home to heaven right now from this choir? I mean, if you are, it's cool. I know, I know I'm coming to be with you, but I got a, a young family and a wife, and, you know, I'm, I'm serving in the church. I thought there was more, and it was beautiful. He just, he, he just spoke to the depth of my soul, and he says, it's okay. He says, when you were 10, you gave me your heart. I want your life. <laughs> After I saw what I saw, I said, where you want me to sign? You want a blood sample? Well, you want me to run around the church naked? I don't care. Tell me what you want. I'm in. Okay, because of what I've seen. Now, I tell you that story to tell you this. It's real. There is a spiritual warfare that, 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 is, that is going on right now in, in, out there that you can't see, and it's real. Now, often, darkness prevails. Now, we, uh, we don't really appreciate light until we have an absence of light. You know what I mean? At night, you get out of the car and you got your hands full and you're walking across the yard and your keys fall out of your hand. Now, today's world, we got a cell phone, so we get our light out. But, but if you don't have a cell phone, you're hunting around in the grass for your keys. You don't like it if you're driving down the road. And, and the, but your headlights or even a headlight goes out. You, all of a sudden, you realize how important light is. There's places and in, in, in time when you realize the value of light. I remember in 1981, I was a, uh, a freshman in college at Tennessee Tech. And I had a roommate from Canada who was a genius. Apparently no common sense. And I wasn't my strong suit either. And the Lord put us in a room together. And he was about six foot four, weighed about 250 pounds. He's a beast of a guy. And he was, he was really, he's a genius. And so we had gone to the lake in the spring. And, and he said, uh, somebody told us about a cavern with a waterfall. Like a, a cave with a waterfall coming across. Have you seen that? No. He said, oh, you need to check it out. So, so we get in the car, we're in his car, we're headed back to the, to the dormitory, to the, to the school, and he says, you want to go by and look at that waterfall and that cave? I said, yeah. And so he says, okay, so we pull over there, and we're looking at it, and I thought we were just going like, to check it out at the, the mouth of it. And he's digging around in his glove box, he pulls out a little flashlight with two D-cell batteries in it. And I said, what are you doing? He says, we're going in a cave. And he, and he talked with a hard Yankee accent, we're going in a cave. And I said, uh, okay, he says, come on. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's Cool, that's not what we shoot. Ah, come on, let's go to cave. I said, okay, let's go to cave, okay? So we're going to cave, and it's cool, walking behind a waterfall. It's huge, it has two flashlights. He had a flashlight, I'm just trusting him. Not the brightest day on my calendar, okay? And so he was shining around. It was, it was amazing. You look around, the waterfall coming down. He says, come on, let's go check this out, you know? And I'm like, yeah, what is it right? So we went around, slid down a hole, went into another cavern, around the corner. Now we're in the depth of this cave. Nobody even knows we're there, all right? So we get in this other big room, <clears throat> and it was really cool. And there's a hole about five feet off the floor, and he goes, let's go in that cave. I said, I ain't going in there. I mean, it's about that big. I'm, I'm a little claustrophobic, too. I didn't, I'm, not, I'm not going in there. So he climbed in it about five feet off the ground with the light. I'm standing in the darkness. Okay, I got nothing. All of a sudden, I hear the screams of a little girl. <laughs> and I hear, he, he's climbing out the hole with his flashlight, and thousands of bats are coming out of this hole. And I'm thinking, that's why I didn't go up in there. Okay? He fell out, landed on the rocks, dropped the flashlight, and the light went out. Now we're in the depth of a cave, and if you've never been in the depth of a cave, you don't know what darkness is. Darkness is nothing. They got nothing. There's nothing out there. Okay? And, and, he, and then he turned into a wimp. He goes, what are we going to do now? And I'm like, first, if I can find you, I'm going to kill you. 
because it's your fault. <laughs> Secondly, I'm going to ask forgiveness. Third, I'm going to try to find a light. Fourth, I'm going to pray somebody come get me because we're going to die in this cave. Well, we wallowed around in the darkness and finally found the flashlight. And everybody knows how to fix a flashlight, right? You beat on it. That's what you do right there. And we got this little glimmer of light, and we made our way out. I'm telling you, you don't understand how much you love light until you really understand the depth of the darkness. Now, Jesus is encountering a guy who thought his world was full of light. And in reality, his world was dark. He just didn't know it yet. And so today, we're going to take a look at that, and the title of the message is called The Light of the World. On the back of your worship guide, there's an outline you can follow. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, we're going to see the first point, which is this, the light is available. Tell your neighbor, the light is available. In verse 19, Jesus, keep in mind, he's speaking to Nicodemus, who was a religious guru, who had all the boxes checked. And he's looking for affirmation from Jesus that, yeah, you got it all figured out, bro. And you're going to heaven when you die. That's what he was looking for. Jesus is explaining what life is supposed to really be about in the spiritual world. Verse 19, he says, now this is the basis for judging that the light has come into the world. Now let me pause right there. Let me help you understand. Jesus is saying, listen, you got to be born again, man. You, you got all your religious boxes, you're going to church, you're giving your money, you're, you're telling people about God, you've memorized scripture, you're staying in the word, but there's a problem, you hadn't been born again. And so Nicodemus is confused, in fact, you'll remember one of his phrases is, how can this even be? And so Jesus says this, he says, now this is the basis for judging, the light has come into the world. Jesus is saying, listen, all of your friends thought you had it all going on. They pat you on the back and talk about you, about how great you are. But the problem is you're a dark man living in a dark world. And so I have come to shine a light into the darkness of this world. So the light is available. Jesus shows up and he turns on the light. That's all he does. Jesus shows up and he lights up the environment in which he is in. Now, 700 years before Jesus and Nicodemus meet, The prophet Isaiah talked about what it would look like when Jesus came to earth. 700 years earlier in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, the prophet says, The people were walking in darkness, but they've seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, 700 years before, Isaiah saw that people would think, man, they got it figured out. They're living in the light. Life is good. It's good in the hood. And in reality, Isaiah said it is a deep darkness. If you don't, if, if light is never shined into the deep darkness, you don't understand just how deep the darkness is. You see that? If you don't know any better, it is what it is. All right? Jesus comes in and says, hey, let me light this thing up so we can see what's really there. Now, he doesn't run from the idea of being the light. In fact, it says in John 1.4, he's the light. John 1.5, the light shines on the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. It, may, it means this. On, this is a beautiful verse. The darkness can't master the light. You know why? Because any time light is given in darkness... It wins. Darkness cannot overcome light. 
Darkness is the default state. Light requires a source of energy to produce a light to dispel darkness. Does that make sense? You don't go into the, ha- you don't go into the room and it's lit up and say, hey, will you reach over there and, and uh, turn on the darkness? You don't say that. You don't turn the darkness on. It's already on. You don't need to do anything for darkness to exist. It is the natural state of our world, and it's the natural state of our life. What has to happen is a light has to be made available, and the light has to be turned on. So Jesus came to this earth to turn the light on in our world. He did it 2,000 years ago. He did it in my life in 1972, and he's still doing it today. He comes into a dark world, a dark life, and he shows up with light to light up so he can see and so you can be made aware of what the reality really is. Number two, not only is the light available, the light is avoidable. Now, here's the sad part. We have a choice of whether to receive the light that's available or to avoid the light that's available. He says now, second half of verse 19 in John, he says, And the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, for everyone who does evil deeds hates the light and does not come to the light. Jesus is saying there's a reason why people stay in the darkness and refuse to come to the light. There's a reason when you tell people about church or Jesus or you have a spiritual conversation or you just say, man, God is good and people reject that. Here's why. Because those people which once were we, okay, they like the darkness better than they love the light. They love living in darkness. They become comfortable living in darkness. Now, let me talk about avoiding light. Avoiding light sometimes is good. This morning when I was on the way to the early service, the sun came up. I don't know if it was because it was so cloudy yesterday or what, but I felt like I needed a a welding shield. The sun was in my face. I mean, it was like I couldn't see any. It was weird. It was like an eclipse. And I was like, what is going on here? All right? And and so you need to be careful with that. If you go to the beach in the summer, if you're fair-skinned, you better put on some sunscreen. You need to avoid some of those rays. And, And here's one you need to avoid. Anybody been to the movie theater lately? Man, you're ready for the movie. And you even want to see the advertisements for future movies. And you're watching it. But in the corner of your eye, there's like a, a beacon, man. It's somebody with a phone. Okay? And you're like, turn the phone off. And they show the little movie. Be polite and courteous to others. Turn your phone off. They didn't get that because they're checking their messages. Okay? Because they're on Facebook. And you're thinking, turn the light off. And now the movie's starting. And they're still on their phone. And you begin to think. Am I going to have to say something? I don't really want to be the one to say something. I'm going to have to say something. Well, if you say something, this is a conversation you're having yourself. If you say something, you're a Christian. Be nice. And so you, you fight it off, and finally, the movie's on, and you just got to say something. So what I do, I look over, and I say, Kendra, will you please turn your phone off? Okay? I ain't making that up. Some of the most important messages she's ever received in her whole life is right as the movie's coming on. Okay? It is what it is. You know you, you know you're hating on them. You know you were hating on her. You know, you in the movie behind, you're hating on her. And I was too, and she's my wife. Okay? 
Some light is to be avoided. But the problem is there is a light that comes in to change our life. And often we avoid the greatest light that can ever come into our life. Why? Here it is. Jesus says, because people love darkness more than they love light. You want to know why you do bad things in your life? You want to know seriously why I sin sometimes? It's because I love darkness at times more than I love light. Because when we understand light, Jesus is the light. And when we understand what happens when we come in the presence of that light, we want that light. It's like when I was 10 years old, I was in darkness I didn't even know existed. And the Holy Spirit of God just whispered into the depth of my confused world. And everything else subsided and, and the curtains was, were opened. And, and the Holy Spirit says, wow, bro, I love you right where you're at with your little messy life. And I want to change it. I want your life to come into my life. And man, I felt it. I felt an invitation to this light that was available to me. And I, I was at the crossroads where I could avoid it or I could receive it. And so often what happens is people simply um, avoid the light. And let, me, let me give you some earth-shattering news. Most of the people in our community and in our state and in our nation and our world avoid the light. Now, we like to think, in fact, if you do a survey, most people are Christian, especially in the Bible Belt, especially in, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. The reality is that's not true. Most people are not Christian people, okay? Most people are dying in their sins, eternally destined to a place called hell. And you say, well, that's a little judgmental. I, I'm not the judge, and you're not the judge. Jesus is the judge, and what Jesus has already judged, we just proclaim that judgment. Now listen, if you will, in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, because the gate is wide, and the way is spacious that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. Verse 14, how narrow now is the gate, and difficult the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it? Do you get the picture? Jesus said, man, there's a broad highway and an enormous gate that leads to destruction. And many there are on that road headed through that gate. But then there's this other smaller gate and a smaller way and a more difficult way that leads to life. And he says, few there are on that highway going through that gate. Man, that's sad, isn't it? It's sad. But, but there's good news. And, and we'll get to that. So the light's available. The light is avoidable. Here it is. The light is approachable. In verse 21, Jesus says, But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that it may be plainly evident that his deeds have been done in God. The one that practices the light. We can come to Jesus. He's approachable, man. He is. Matthew 12, 20, 11, 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So it looks like when I was a 10-year-old boy in darkness and didn't know it, and the Holy Spirit revealed it, invited me to come to him, and I, I listened to that call for a week of revival. And I was terrified. I, I didn't know what he was asking. I didn't understand who I was, but in the moment, in the stillness of a moment on the final night, it was like everything disappeared, 
And the Lord God was inviting me into his presence. And he made himself approachable. And I never will forget, I, I, there was, as I had fought it and I was scared. And all of a sudden, I was like, why am I running from this? This feels better than anything I've ever experienced. And so I, I walked down to the front of the church and I told the preacher, I, I'm here to be saved. <laughs> I don't even know what, that's, what you're talking about. I'm just here because I know I need to be saved. I want Jesus to come in my life. Here's what, here's what happened. I walked right up next to Jesus in that moment. I told him I wanted him to come in my life. I received his grace gift best I knew how. I knew he was inviting. <laughs> I knew I was accepting the invitation. And I walked into his presence, and in that moment, in the front of that little church, God did something miraculously, miraculous and supernaturally in my life. He saved me. And he implanted himself in my life. And, man, it felt so good in that moment. It was the best feeling I've ever had in my life. And, and, and so I just, I didn't realize it, but when I walked away from there, he went with me. He's, he's right there with me. Now, here's what I want to tell you about the approachable light. In the moment that you first receive the light, you, you give yourself, you realize, okay, I'm a sinful person and he's perfect. And all of a sudden, when you, you, when you realize that and you realize he's saying, bring it to me. I'll take you just like you are. He's saying, you can't fix yourself. If you could have fixed yourself, I wouldn't have had to come and die on a cross. If Nicodemus could fix himself, Jesus would not have had to have an encounter with him. So he said, you just come to me just like you are. Bring your junk to me. I'll take it all. I will exchange all of my rightness for all of your wrongness. And, and it's free. And so I did that. But here's the problem. When you get close to the light, it begins to reveal more of your weaknesses and your sinfulness. You know? It's why women, when they get, get ready to put their makeup on, they have about eight. It's like an airport. It's like Fort Knox. They, they got to have like 8 million watts of light shining in their face. So they'll know every wrinkle. They need to pack with some mud. Okay, got to get, get ready for the game. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, I mean, that, not in my house, but at y'all's house. My house, they don't need no makeup. They're naturally beautiful all the time. But what happens when we get in the light, it begins to reveal more of our blemishes and more of our weaknesses. And here's the beauty of it is. Jesus says, oh, you see that now? No, you didn't see it before because you were in the dark. I'll take that too. Oh, you see that now? You didn't see that before? I'll take that too. That's the greatness. The more, listen to me, the more we allow him to shine his amazing light into the darkness of our life, the more we understand the reason he's shining it is not to make us feel bad, but to let us know how much he's willing to take off of us. I mean, it's good stuff. Now, he tells us all of this because, there's, because it's important. It's really, really important. Tell your neighbor this is important. You see, we got one life to live. And in our life, we make decisions every day. Every day. There's one decision in your life that matters, really. It's not really who you marry, what you name your children, what color car you drive what neighborhood you live in, what school you go to, where you work, how much money you have or don't have. All those are decisions and choices and things that have some value. There's really only one thing that matters, and it's what you do with the light that God shines in your world through Jesus' Son. So the final point is this. The light is advisable. It's advisable. Jesus gives advice. Listen, Nicodemus. 
you need to get the light. You need to get this thing, okay? It's really important. I came from heaven, Nicodemus, and I'm giving you some really good advice here. You need to receive the light that I'm talking about, who is me. In verse 12 of John chapter 8, spin forward a little bit. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke out again, and he said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The reason receiving Jesus, the reason placing our faith and belief in Jesus is important, first of all, is because we never walk in darkness ever again. Never walk in darkness. The light has shone. It's in our world. And we don't have to go back to the darkness. The second thing is verse 21. Look down a little further. Jesus said to them again, I'm going away and you will look for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jewish leaders began to say, perhaps he's going to kill himself. Because he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And Jesus replied, you people are from below. I am from above. You people are from this world. I am not from this world. And then he says this advice, verse 24. Thus I told you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, this is not the happiest verse that, that the scripture offers. In fact, it's an alarming verse. In fact, the alarm should ring clear in each one of our souls. It should just resonate and chime with this. Which camp am I in? Am I dying in my sin? Headed to a sinner's hell forever? Or am I living in the sins that Jesus died on a cross to forgive me from? It's a big decision. It's why it's, it's, why it's so advisable that we understand where we land and, and who we are. And so I was thinking about how do you get to understand the darkness and the light? Because until we understand and see the darkness for what it is, we can't really understand or embrace the light. We don't understand just how valuable light is. And so, if you will, let's, let's turn the lights off for just a second. This is what darkness looks like. And let's pretend Jesus hadn't shown up. Let's just, let's just get real. This is the natural state. This is the natural state of our world. This is the natural state of your life and my life. This is who we're born to be. And when people say, I'm, I'm born, I was born a drug addict, I was born an alcoholic, I was born an adulterer, I was born a, a homosexual, yeah, you were, because you're born in darkness. This is how we're born. And then something happens. In all of God's timeline, something significant happened. Jesus showed up and he says, I'm the light of the world. And I want to give you the light. And I want to light up your darkness. Not just for this life, 
but for all of eternity. Now here's the cool part. Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to die. And he did. And he resurrected from the dead. And he went back to heaven. So what happened to the light? One by one, when we come to him and receive his light, he indwells us. And we become his light in this dark world. And on your way in today, you probably received a little light. I want you to turn your light on and hold it up for me. And this is what our world starts looking like when we shine our light. And it's funny, these little bitty lights, I could distinguish and make out your faces and know who you are. All right? This is what we're supposed to be doing in our dark world. We're supposed to be shining our light. You, now listen to me. Turn your light off. How do you know if you're born again? How do you know if you're truly someone who has invested all you are into all of who Jesus is? How do you know? This little light to come on, you have to squeeze it, right? Here's the question. When this life starts squeezing in on you, when this life starts getting tough and the pressures on all sides of you begins to just squeeze you, here's the question. What comes out? Does light come out or does darkness come out? Turn your lights on for me again. When the world starts squeezing you, light should come out. Because if, if the light of the world is in you, the light of the world is going to come out of you. Okay? All right, we can turn the lights back on, please. Now, maybe you're here today, and in that darkness, in that simple little illustration, it just dawned on you. <laughs> you, you don't have the light in you. Maybe you're like Nicodemus, been in church all your life, checked many boxes, maybe said some prayers, maybe memorized some scripture, Maybe did some religious things. Maybe been on a mission trip. Maybe sang in a choir or in a group. But when the dust settles, the light is not in you. You've never given all of you to all of him. Jesus said, if that's you, you will die in your sins. That's the hardest truth a preacher can ever say. It's the hardest thing anybody can ever say to anybody. But what kind of love would not tell you that truth? It's not love if we don't share the truth. It's hate. And my goal as a preacher, it's not to build a bunch of people in a big church and all that. My goal as a preacher of the gospel is to help people know, help people understand that there is a, an amazing future for those in Jesus waiting and to be sure that we are in that group on the narrow way, walking through a narrow gate, spending eternity in an amazing heaven. Maybe you're here and you're already a believer. I want to encourage you, you need to be shining your light. What's the matter? Why are you not shining your light everywhere, you're go everywhere you go? Because the world is dark. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're here, and you wonder if you're truly born again, 
and you wonder, or maybe you know for sure, that if you died today, you would die in your sins separated from God because you have not believed in Him. If that's you today, would you just hold your light up and turn it on so I can see? I'm just going to pray for you, that's all. If you just turn your light on and hold it up. Okay? No lights on. That means all of us claim to be followers of Jesus, that we have given ourselves in him. So here's the challenge. The Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew, he said, let your light so shine among men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Who in here on this day would be willing to say, you know what, I haven't been shining my light, but starting right now, I want to shine my light brighter for Jesus, for those that are still left in a dark world. If you would like to shine your light more for Jesus, would you turn your light on and hold it up in the air? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the light has come. We thank you that the light is available. We thank you that the light is approachable. We thank you that the light is advisable. God, we thank you that now we have an awareness that there's many who have seen the light as avoidable. And they've run from it and, and hidden from it and deny it and refuse it. But God, we're to be instruments of yours lighting a dark world. Because when you went back to heaven, you entrusted us with your light. God, help us be champions of your light in a dark world. Help us be burdened and concerned and worried about those in our family, in our school, on our teams, in our world, in the workplace. The, the, the girl at the cash register, the guy who waits our table, the neighbor next door, God, burden our hearts so we would be willing to shine light in the dark world that they don't even know they live in. Help us be bearers of light so that people would find their way to you because you're available. We just need to help people find it. Thank you for choosing to love the unlovable all the time.